Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club Podcast, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Stats, with our Summit Club team, Rick Feinblad. Hi, Rick. Hello, Bill. John Novickis. Hey, John. Hey, Bill. How are you doing today? And John Thane. Hi, JT. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hello, gentlemen. This is episode 15, and it attempts to answer a question that you may have in your mind. Uh, what percentage of Americans make six figures? And we're going to focus on if you're in sales and you want to make six figures, you better be ready. You better be prepared. We'll pose some questions and we'll also provide a lot of answers as to the menu, if you will, for success in selling. So with that, I'll turn it over to the Summit Club team and start with that question. What percentage of Americans do you think make six figures? I think the mean is like 47,000 a year. I'd, I'd say 18 to 20%. Good, but not close. Yeah, I, uh, I would have said uh, 10%. Okay. And I'm, I'm right there with you, Rick. I'm thinking it's about 10%. So the real number is 5.4%. Whoa. Wow. Which is pretty surprising. That it's means... An, it's an elite club. Yeah, you want to make more than 95% of Americans if you want to make six figures. So let's just talk about a little more than a handful of bullets in the time we have that the Summit Club team feels are integral to your quest to make six figures. So what seems to be a great starting point is if you're in sales and you want to make six figures, it's hard and it's not for everybody. What do you think, guys? Well, can I just add a, a point? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there listening to this going, wait a minute, that figure can't be right. I know a whole bunch of people in sales who are making over $100,000 a year. Well, guess what? They're still in that 5%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're still in that 5%. Yeah. So for whatever that was worth. So what do you think? I mean, why? what makes it hard? What makes selling at that level not for everybody? I think a lot of it just comes down to the turf. I mean, you get out there into the field and you start making these phone calls or, or drop-ins, whatever you want to do. Well, somebody else already has that business. So it's not like you're in this wide open plain in the Wild West where you just throw your, your claim down and, all right, I got 20 acres here and somebody else throws it down. It's all taken. So anytime you're trying to go into any kind of uh, expanding your own sales territory, you're really on top of probably five or six other people's territory at the same time. So somebody else is already eating that piece of pie Absolutely. that you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, 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 look, sales is not for everybody. Uh, but the, I think in my experience, a good thing uh, with people starting out in sales, you, you figure out pretty quickly whether it's something you can do or something that you can't. And if you can't, you should move on to something else. Uh, when everybody starts out in sales, the, the first thing you generally deal with is you probably don't have as much knowledge as people who are successful, and you know that. And number two, there is just a ton of rejection, and that's really difficult to get through. But having said that, all successful salespeople figure out a way to get through it. Well, I think successful salespeople figure out that you have to be trained, and oftentimes you have to train yourself to be successful 
in sales. I can't tell you how many times I came from the accounting world. Okay, I was I was tr educated as an accountant and went into sales. And I heard always hear people in the accounting department and the management side go, well, "This person would be good in sales. They have the gift of gab. <laughs> gab will not help you. You know, <laughs> sales is an acquired skill, just like accounting or any other technical field. It really is a profession. It is. It's just not like." the gift of gab thing and you know one of the things too that on both sides of this issue people in general don't like change well you know what if you're committed to go into sales you're gonna have to adjust significant parts of you and how you do what you do and you know what the people that you're selling to John DeVickens's comment a few minutes ago they're businesses with somebody else right now, they don't like change either. You're going in there trying to explain to them why you're the, the vendor of choice and they're like, I don't know, you know. So the hard part is a lot of change. Preparing, you better be ready, educating, training, and the fact that people get comfortable doing what they do and sales doesn't really fit in that profile. No, it does not. And sometimes, you know, I don't care what product you're selling, um, there are customers out there don't need your product. Yeah. And if you think whatever it is you're selling uh, is, is right for everybody, you're probably not going to be a successful salesperson. I mean, there's, there's nothing uh, in, in my mind more enlightening than when you're talking to a client, a potential client, and they're telling you what their issues are, what they're trying to be get done, and you say to them, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm right for you. I don't think I'm right for you right now for what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe you should call so-and-so. Um, what that does, I think, at the end of the day, when time passes and you are right for them, they're going to remember, you're the guy that originally told me that this time around it wasn't right, but mm -hmm. now it is. So you've built credibility with, with a client, and credibility is everything. It's I mean, trust. Well, yeah, it's being honest. Right. Yeah, That's understanding your market, Yeah, uh, the competitive landscape. Mm -hmm knowing your customer these are all components that you have to build into your your your, your sales knowledge and i kind of go back when i when i went from a technical field into the sales field i knew i had no experience uh, actually didn't have a strong perception of what salespeople were you know i had that you know plaid jacketed used car salesman in mind and didn't want to be that and I knew I had to set out and get some training. And the gift of gap thing always sticks in my mind. One of the first things I learned in sales is you have two ears and one mouth. And the gift of gab actually will hurt you yeah, it doesn't rather work. than it help, help you. Because you better be listening and not talking. Every once in a while, I'll have a sales guy give me a ring. Um, in the graphic design and marketing industry, printers, commercial printers are usually our target. and. Some of them are, are good at what they do and we give them the business. Other ones, they have this whole idea of, you know, if I just have you on the phone often and long enough, I'm gonna give you work. And it gets to the point where you see that person's name come up on the caller ID, you're like, I'm not picking up the phone because I don't have a half hour to give you to talk about nothing. <laughs> you know, and that's the end of that. One of the things to think about as well, because we're kind of touching on it, you you can't wing it in sales, you know, you really can't. You have to do your homework. And a lot of it's, what's interesting to me when I when I saw that 5.4%, Dartnell did a, did a study a few years ago about the top skills 
for top performing salespeople. And the number one, which nobody ever gets, is pre-call planning and preparation. And they go, what? It's like, if you can't plan and if you can't prepare, you're going to really have a tough time in sales because winging it just doesn't work. Now, I'm not the sales guy in the room. You, you three really? are. <laughs> um, so is a lot of this finding the blind spots and, and doing the homework, is that stuff where a salesperson listening can expect their company to get them these resources or is that something where it's just going to be trial and error of your career as a salesperson to get enough battle scars to know you can do this, don't do that? Well, I, I don't think you can rely on the company to do that. I think you really have to do that on, on your own. And as far as, you know, research with the internet, I mean, you can research any company and find out an awful lot about them before you go out and see them. And if you're talking to somebody and, and you have knowledge of their company, rather than just trying to sell the widgets that you're trying to sell because you have a golden mean, um, that's a powerful thing with, with most people because they know that you've taken the time to try to figure out who they are, what they do, and why you think you might be able to help them. So to John's point earlier, just don't go in and go, hey, I've got these 20 witches to sell and they're really good and you're gonna really like them because the guy in the other end or the woman on the other end might be going, I don't need any more witches today. So this, they just dismiss you. So you, you really have to do your, your research to be successful. And in my experience, that's on you if you're a salesperson. Sales is the same as just about any other profession that you wanna talk about. Knowledge is power, and you talk about pre-planning and so forth. The more knowledge you have about your customer, who is their competition? You know, what, who are they? What, what, is, what motivates that company? What's their key reason for existing? And how does my product relate to that? Or to your point earlier, Rick, maybe your product doesn't relate, and that's when you say, thank you very much. We're not, you know, uh, the right company for you right now, but... Let's see if, in the future, if our product aligns more to your goals as a company. And, you know, through all of this, th th this is not something a company's gonna teach you. Yes, you have to learn a lot of it on your own, but, you know, one of the things that I learned is when I walked into a bookstore and I looked in the business section, probably the bu biggest section in a business section are sales books, whether it's guys that are selling cars or women that are selling, you know, different products or, markets, whatever, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books on sales, and there's not a bad one in there. You should read and absorb as much material, and you'll come to find that out of those hundreds of books, probably 80% of the concepts overlap. Doesn't matter what the business is. You know, you know, it's funny, I'm gonna apologize for kind of a complicated story, but it plays right into what we're talking about. So I have a, a couple of years ago, I had a salesperson that said to me, you know, I've been trying to get into this company. I mean, they are perfect for us. I just can't get in. I've tried emails, I've tried phone calls, I've tried letters, whatever. Can't get in. And I said, well, so pull up their website. And the salesperson did, and we looked at it. And it actually has a tab on the website where it says our projects or our customers or whatever. And I said, click on, click on that. And lo and behold, it was an architectural company. Lo and behold, here's like 12 projects on the website in the works. And I said, so 
write the names down of the projects. What? He said, write the names down of the projects. Okay, what are, then what are we going to do? I said, we're, we're going to go to that website for some of those projects. And we're going to find out the phone number and whatever. And we're going to call and ask who's the person responsible for managing that project and the relationship with whatever. Because I'm thinking about using them and I'd like to get a introduction or a referral from, from your project manager. And it was that silence. And I went, what? You're going to talk to a customer. And then when you call back that original target, you're going to say, I was just talking to John. I was just talking to JT. You know, he told me how happy he is with, uh, with the project you guys are doing. And I just wanted to get some more information to see if you're a good fit for us. No. So well, that, well, you just have to be a little creative. Now you've got a warm shot to get in and talk to somebody in the company. And you don't have to, you're not pitching them. You're just saying, hey, you know, I'm just talking to John. We've got some stuff that we do with com for companies just like you guys and whatever. All you're trying to do is get that connection. Okay, research. And they give it to you. You're just not <laughs> thinking right. They're telling you, here are our customers. Why don't you talk to one of them and find out about the relationship. Research and preparation. I mean, referrals are great. Yep. You know, before you go out and make a cold call on a, a company that you've never spoken to, check your resources. You may yep. know somebody who knows somebody there, and that's a much better entree than you calling up trying to get a hold of somebody who has no idea who you are. Well, John Navickis, our marketing guru, I've had situations where salespeople forget about YouTube. They have a target company they're trying to get in. I said, well, let's go to YouTube and pull, it, pull, it, pull them up, see what's in there for that company. And in a couple of cases, you have spokespeople for that target company telling you what they're doing, oh, yeah. what their position is, mm -hmm. whatever. And in one case, when they called back, the woman that answered the phone had just been in the video on YouTube. Oh, nice. And the sales rep said, I just saw you on YouTube. Yeah, so you're in instantly. Instant. Yeah. And it's just... That preparation, that's do your homework, planning, it's crazy. Which really leads to the devil's in the details. All these little bits and pieces, Rick brought it up earlier. You got, you got to know what you're talking about. You have to have expertise. You, I don't know who you think is going to do that. You got to go dig it out, talk to the top performers in, in your company, find out what they're doing. Now, is that something where, is it a culture thing, but what if somebody's at a place where there's multiple salespeople and it's highly competitive in their network where you're saying, oh, you know, talk to the high performer. Well, what if I'm the high performer? I'm like, no, 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 no. I got here because so, I you know, work. You got to go do it on your own. What's interesting, we were just kind of talking about where where do you get the training and some, some companies try to do a decent job. I'll try to circle back to that point. Other companies are what at least Rick, JT, and I have had experience with. It's a mill. They hire a sales person or a person to do sales. They grind them up. They spit them out. They don't care about training. If you don't make it, who gives it? Next. Next. You know? Burn them, burn them, and turn them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you're talking about that kind of a company, nobody's going to help you do anything. But... In my experience with thousands of companies, most of the time, if you're a new kid and, or I don't want to say a kid, you're new to the company, whatever, 
there's a couple people on that sales team that won't mind at all going out to lunch with you or sitting down and because why because it feels good to help somebody when I first started selling um, you know I was doing you know I didn't get a lot of training and I was you know doing what Bill said I was going out making sales calls and my manager said go out and find somebody uh, or check when you come back check with the other salespeople we didn't have a big staff make sure no one was calling on that person so I, I would do that and I'd come back and I'd ask the other you know salespeople and there was, there was one guy who had this huge little phone book of his <laughs> and he'd leaf through it and he'd go oh did you speak to Bill Smith and I went uh, yeah I did he goes yeah well that's mine so <laughs> well, I'm getting nowhere and I was reviewing my progress with my sales manager and he said well how's it going and I told him what was happening and he went wait a second <laughs> Well, what this other guy was, he wasn't a great salesperson, but he was smart enough to call, you know, the principals of like every company in the city, he just wrote their names down. He never called on them. <laughs> so, no, no, those are your accounts now. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, there, there's a lot of territorial <laughs> exactly. uh, behavior so right, in turf, the sales world. There, there's turf, turf wars. On the inside and on the outside. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. why the percentage oh, yeah. is 5.4%. <laughs> this oh, is yeah. hard, yeah. you know? You, so, John, you mentioned a term that um, burn and turn. Churn them, burn them, and turn right. or so or Whatever you get. So if you're a salesperson and you're new or maybe even you've been there for a little while and you're listening to this and you go, oh, my, oh my God. I am I'm in that spot. I'm in that kind of a company where I'm burn and churn and whatever that is. Churn. That too. <laughs> so what do you do? Just get the resume ready or buckle in and get it going? You know, some industries and I'm I'm not gonna name those industries because you know, we're not looking here to uh, make anybody feel bad, but go ahead. There's <laughs> <laughs> the auto industry, for example. A, a desk at an auto dealer is is a very fluid place and you have to earn that desk or you're not going to be at that dealership and I mean it's it's a, a business it's built on performance and you can't have too many off months in that business before they're going to look for someone that's going to be more productive at that desk so you you better be performing in that industry if you want to maintain your position Okay, there's other industries that take a longer term approach. You know, if, if a sales cycle, and this is another thing that's important about sales. You know, in the automobile industry, a sales cycle is, is probably that day. If you're in the outerwear business, your sales cycle is, is nine months. You're selling that, you're not delivering it till nine months later. So, you know, I, I think the, the longevity and the, you know, turn them, churn them, and burn them sort of thing. Uh, it's different in each industry based on the on the, the cycle of the sale. You know, you know, it's funny. One of our clients makes bearings, big bearings, and their competition has a backlog of two years. <laughs> Talk about a long sell cycle. Wow. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah, we get it for you in 2022. Holy crap. Yeah. But as far as sales, I mean, you're going to know regardless of the sales cycle, I think fairly quickly, whether you're good at this or not. And and if you're not sure, you're gonna have a manager who's gonna tell you. Because all managers have some base expectations of, okay, well maybe not, if, if, if you're 100% commission, 
uh, and you're not offsetting it right away. Well, no, nobody expects you to. But by a certain point in time, they're gonna, you're going to need to be at a certain level for them to go, okay, well, we're going to continue. Or we do have some accounts we can give this person because we think they're performing at a, at, a, at a good enough level. And that builds confidence, and too. And it builds and, confidence. You know? But again, I mean, if, if the end reward is being in that 5%, if it's something you think you could do, in my mind, it's certainly worth the effort. You have companies sometimes that it, oh, it's almost like they defy gravity in that working with a, you mentioned car dealers, JT. I remember working with a car dealer and the salespeople are all sitting in the showroom staring at the doors. I'm going to date all of us like Heckle and Jekyll and two crows up on a telephone wire waiting for a squirrel to get hit, you know, and it's like that's all they're waiting for is someone to come in the door and who's up next, you know. And I, I remember saying to them, do you ever go to the service department? And they were like, what? I said, do you ever go to the service department, go through the records and find out what cars are coming in here with a lot of frequency? Guess what? That's a good prospect because they're spending a lot of money. Tell them, do the, monetize it, show them the difference. You get a brand new car. Yeah, and they've all gotten uh, better at that, the car <laughs> yeah. dealers. I mean, years ago, you, you never hear from them again. Now you hear from them just so much. Yeah. Please stop calling me. <laughs> yeah. Please just leave me alone. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, we mentioned it earlier on. You got to deal with rejection. You got to deal with no's. Uh, not everybody qualifies. I heard both you guys saying that. You know, you got you got to listen. You get, you can't take it personally. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, you've seen a lot of that. Where people Sa get emotionally involved. Sales is like baseball. You know, baseball. You hit three hundred. You're a Hall of Famer. You know, sales yeah. is. It's very similar. You, you're probably going to get more no's than you will get yeses. But if you can go from a 200 hitter to a 300 hitter, you're going to go from a short career to a long career. And a no doesn't, a no is not a personal thing. A no is really an opportunity in sales to evaluate what happened. Did I miss an opportunity? Did I maybe not prepare well enough? Or am I just not right for this particular company. Or maybe it wasn't the right opportunity. Yeah. Self-evaluation. Yeah. I mean, sales, most salespeople get paid on commission. And the only way to make money long-term is repeat orders. So if you're going to sell something to somebody that doesn't work for them, um, I've been in sales for a long time. The one question is always difficult for me to respond to is, hey, I tried your product, I did what you said, and it didn't, didn't work. work. <laughs> and now yeah. you want me to, to do what? You know, yeah. so I think you really, really want to be careful. That's why if you say to somebody, at least in the world that I was in selling advertising, we're not right for this client. It, when you come back and go again, yeah, I think we're right for this client. You've, you've built credibility and you've built trust with them. And, and actually at the end of the day, you're helping yourself. I used to put up on the whiteboard, SW, 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 N. And I would ask salespeople, okay, what's that mean? What? S-W-S-W-S-W-N. I don't know. And they would come up with it. Some will. Some won't. So what? Next. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really how you have to look at it. Mm -hmm. I had uh, an Asian uh, fella in one of the classes, and he said, I, you know, I changed it. And I went, what? He said, yeah, I changed the letters. And I said, okay, 
Who'd you change him to? He said, well, SW, 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 SW. Okay, some will, some won't. So what? What's the last SW? He goes, someone's waiting. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And I thought, okay, you get it. You get it. Yeah. So when somebody's saying no, do you guys are you guys looking at this in the framework of no, thank you, hang up the phone, or is it objections? And then they have to pivot from there. Well, lots of times, you know, uh, a no just means if it's a if you're in a business where your product is negotiated, the price of it is negotiated, which is a lot of business. They're just trying to find out when you're finished negotiating. Right. So I've had salespeople they'll, they'll ask and I go, no, we're not doing that. Well, then we're going to lose the order. It's like, well, we may, we may not. Just tell them no. And you tell them no, and they just want to see, you know, how low you'd go, and we're there. And they call back in a reasonable period of time and go, okay, let's, let's, let's do this thing. So no doesn't always mean you're done. You know, as you study sales, and that's one of the things that we're talking about here, it's a self-taught business. And you read a lot of the different materials that are out there on sales. You know, there's a couple of things you hear about no. No is an opportunity to sell. If there's a theory out there, you're not gonna you're not gonna generate a sale until you've overcome seven no's. I don't know how realistic that is, but no doesn't always mean what it is. Now if you get to the end of the road and no is no, what the really great salespeople do is rather than hang up the phone and put their tails between their legs, they'll ask the next question, because questions are answers in sales. And they'll ask, I understand we're not going to do business, I appreciate that, and I'm not going to ask you one more time for the order. Can you tell me, is, is there something that we missed? Is there something I overlooked? Is there something about my company, myself? Why, why did we get to know? And again, not, that, that's knowledge that's going to arm you going forward, maybe to go back to that account, or certainly how to deal with the next account. Timing's important too, because sometimes it's just not the right time. Yeah. You know, you have salespeople that are trying to get a hold of, especially in manufacturing, industrial sales, stuff like that, and they're like, you know, I keep calling this guy, and I finally get him, and he goes, I can't talk now. It's like, no kidding. He's walking in the plant with three other managers or whatever. I mean, come on. You know, that's where, to me, you need an inside salesperson, like assistant, some kind of an admin, someone, where you can say, what's a good time to... I actually had a situation when I said that to a receptionist. I couldn't get a hold of this guy. And I said, when, when's a good time? I mean, it's. I don't want to keep driving him crazy with voicemails. And she said... He takes the newspaper and he goes to the men's room at 20 after 9 and it's gone for about 10 minutes. Call him at 9.30. Yeah. And when I finally got the guy, he, I said to him, you know how I got you? And he goes, I'm afraid to ask. And I said, I just asked, when's a good time? And she said, 9.30 when you come back from the men's room. Ha, ha, ha. I laugh. Yeah, and I think to John's point, you know, people aren't always going to you know, to, to tell you why you weren't successful. Well, so, that's it too. Yeah, yeah, sometimes we started a venture to sell these marketing programs at a radio station. We were excited about it. We went out and saw a lot of people, and all we were getting were no's. We're not interested. So we didn't know whether or not they were not interested in the product or not, but when we asked, they most of the people said, well, you guys are late. Th these budgets are spent by this point in time. So if you come back next year, <laughs> prior to that, whatever that month happened to be for each individual, we'll be happy to listen to you. So we found out, like in radio, it's a really short sales cycle for the most part. This particular product was a longer sales cycle. So that it wasn't that there wasn't interest, our timing was off. 
but until we asked them more questions, you would have never known. We that. would have never known. Mm -hmm. And it, had we not asked questions, we would have gone, well, that was a, a bad idea, I guess. So there's nothing wrong with asking can't questions. Hurt. No, it cannot hurt. One of the things we probably should talk about before we wrap up the sales is hard, especially if you want to make six figures conversation, is personal boundaries, what you're willing to do to be successful. And uh, you got to know yourself. You really need to know sales. You know, Rick said it a little while ago when we were talking about doing this podcast. This is not a nine to five job. If 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 you're going to be in that five point four percent, you you've got to put the work in when the work needs to be put in. Whether it's evenings, weekends, um, and you got to be prepared to you know, adjust some of the personal boundaries and. For many people, that means you got to know yourself. You know, if you if you don't know you deep down inside, it's going to make it a lot harder. That's really important to know in this world today, because you know, for many years I was a national sales manager, so I had to deal with East Coast time, West Coast time, and all of a sudden, was it ridiculous to work at eight o'clock at night to deal with West Coast mm -hmm. uh, customers? Now we've got this global economy. Global. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> noon in, in Hong Kong, it's midnight in the U.S. Yeah. And, you know, where, where do you draw the boundaries? I mean, if that's where your customer is and that's where, you, where the, the deal is that's eminent, you know, you, 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 you better prepare for that. Uh, otherwise, today you can work 24 hours a day. You know, one of the things that might make sense uh, and we've kind of talked about it, so let's let our audience know. The next step in, in the conversation really is going to be an all-star forum that we're going to put together with some folks that are in that 5.4%. We'll get them around the table and we'll record a podcast probably in January, um, early January if we can, and let's have real um, feedback, success points from people that are living it every day in the field. And in that way, you'll get a real, almost a micro view and, uh, and be able to hear exactly what uh, top performers are doing out there and learn from the success of others. So if that makes sense, guys, um, we'll wrap this up until the All-Star Sales Forum. Sure, and in the meantime, if you have any questions for these people when we, when right we record it, go ahead, go to the website, find us online, and just ask us the questions. We'll be more than happy to bring your name up and what your question is. You got it. So for now, episode 15 is just a starting point on sales success, and we'll be following up in January with an All-Star a forum of live salespeople around the table talking about what's made them and contributes to their success. As John just mentioned, go to the website. Let us know what's important to you. Give us feedback, and we're here for you. Until then, Bill Stats, John Navickas, Rick Feinblatt, JT, John Thane, saying see you next time. 
To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.